course, he's written it. He knows exactly what he wants. Um, and, it, and it is the tone that I had in my head when I first read the script. It's, it's irreverent, it's dark, it's committed, it's funny, it's, um, it's idiosyncratic, it's kind of quite rude at times. It's, uh, it's very, very specific. How is it in my mother's best interest to have her son barred from seeing her? Who are you? Dangerous man. It says that on your business card. You should be scared right now. Why? Are you gonna make another big fucking speech? Tell your mom you send your best. This is your life now, Jennifer. You are just another old lady in a care home with dementia, with incontinence, with arthritis, with no one except me. scathing critique of capitalism. For others, it's a Yas Queen film about female ferocity and power. And for yet another group still, it's a story about raw, unbridled, sociopathic malice tied together with a neat little crime drama bow on top. same notion. I was like, hey, Jimmy Fox, <laughs> you know that uh, Fox got nominated for an Oscar for his yeah. role in Collateral? Yeah, man. I mean, Collateral, a lot of people sleep on Collateral. It was it was awesome. Michael Mann movies? Eh. <laughs> I like Michael Mann movies, man. He's definitely got like a style. I, I just don't like his style. Like just the way it's filmed, like the, the whole world he kind of creates. There's something about it. I just I, I just find it just be just regular. Everybody just thinks that he's like amazing, just a great filmmaker. I've never spoke on that before. That's 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 world premiere. I mean, you got Last of the Mohicans, Heat, Ali, Collateral. I mean, of course Miami Vice sucked, but but we knew that was gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember him doing Nick of Time. Remember that movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like he just became, like, like Johnny Depp, like, the brand. Yeah. You know, which which included Jack Sparrow. And I love how he kind of, like, ingrained a little bit. Like, it's like a, like, 15% of Jack Sparrow is, like, permanently yeah. ingrained 
into Johnny Depp. Yeah, he even kind of dresses like, like a <laughs> pirate, you know, so it's not too far off. Like, that's a huge chunk of him, you know, that's just Jack Sparrow. Like, he cannot escape that. Becomes like the guy who directs all the Harry Potter films. Like, it, like it looks really pretty and it's really well done with the craft and whatnot. But I just don't care about the movie. You know. Hold on, wait. Give me a second. I haven't even thought of an intro. To be honest. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. You know, I always got some quip or some stupid line, but I'm like, man, I ain't got nothing. I think I'm just going to come out with number one on Netflix, my ass, you know? Yeah. All right. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spitting the Real Shit, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by, for, and about the online Facebook group, The Real Shit. Uh, you are catching us on a very special day, because this is our 29th episode ever. The idea of a Netflix movie making waves online is not new, and to ride the wave, we will be giving a preview and our thoughts on the new Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage antagonist thriller, I Care A Lot. Along with the film, we will be exploring the divisive trope of rooting for the bad guy, as well as attempting to recast some of Hollywood's popular, justifiable villains. And with the awards right around the corner, we give a Golden Globes preview to help enjoy the show. Uh, my name is Charlie Thompson, founder, administrator, and bracket master of The Real Shit. And joining me, as always, is my co-host and fellow administrator, the midnight movie maniac himself, Rylan Johnson. What's shaking, man? How we doing? Uh, choo-choo the hype train on this one was was pretty stout so i'm excited to dig into this one because i think me and you have opposite opinions one of the most divisive movies i've seen in a while as far as just putting it out there and people absorbing it and taking it how they will i've seen everybody either fall in love with this movie or absolutely shit on this movie but first of all we wanted to talk about the awards coming up uh, on the 28th of February. As of the time of this recording, we got two days until the Golden Globes. So we just wanted to give uh, a list of the nominations and uh, any thoughts. Uh, I know it's kind of sparse, but there is a lot more streaming options. So we wanted to uh, make sure everybody knew where to go if, uh, if they wanted to see a movie before the awards show. So You're a Golden Globes guy? You watch this on the yearly? Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite shows to watch. Um, I mean, they always do it in the same venue. Uh, at the Beverly Hilton, it's uh, just a you know, it's like a hotel lobby. That right. they, it's just a really nice hotel lobby that they, you know, just convert into awards, you know, gala. Live from the International Ballroom of the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills, California. You are invited to join more than 100 of the greatest stars of motion pictures and television for Hollywood's most glamorous party of the year, as the Hollywood Foreign Press Association presents. The 43rd Annual Golden Globe Awards. It's like old Hollywood style. So that's why I love it. They all get drunk. Everybody has a little bit of a little bit of fun. Film and television people all in the same room. Like, like they just get a little sloshed, you know? And so by the third hour, like, everybody's ready to party. Besides the Oscars, the Golden Globes is definitely my favorite award show to watch. See, I'm a big Oscars guy. My friends throw a pretty fun Oscar party every year. They have a trophy for whoever predicts the most winners. 
Um, it's kind of competitive and fun. They put the red carpet out. We dress up. It's all. It's an event. It's great. But for some reason, I've just never been a Golden Globes guy. I always kind of related it to television. The Oscars have always been something I've kept up with. But this year, since you know, you've said it's a, a good old time, and I have seen some memes and some things of the Golden Globes where you can tell it's not as uptight as the Oscars. It's not as political. It's probably right right up my alley. I'll, I'll check it out this Sunday and, and get back to you and see how I liked it. But it is such a soft year for film and television. That's what I'm worried about with the Oscars. Fortunately, they pushed it back all the way to the end of April. But you know, is, is the, did the movie have to be produced in 2020 alone? Is that how they're working this system with with COVID? I'm not sure, but it, plus it brings up like, is this is this the, the beginning of like a new cycle for the Oscars? Like, is this this how it's going to be going forward? Like, is April going to be the night of the awards from now on? Are they going to go back to February? There's a lot of rules, you know, that need to be figured out. It's going to feel a little weird, I think, if, if you're a big Oscar fan like me, to see them this late in the year. But, it, you know, it's always fun, exciting for me. I, I like to get over to the party and, and um, you know, me being the movie buff guy, I'm usually in the top three. I am a champion of the Oscar night. Uh, one of my buddies, Aaron, is the only repeat champion, so I'm trying to be on the trophy twice. <laughs> I used to throw Oscar parties, I want to say like three years in a row. I wanted to go bigger, but I just couldn't, you know, and it, it just kind of fizzled out. I watch the Oscars every year, make sure I watch them live. At the very least, as a movie fan, I'm, I'm watching what they consider the best of the best, or the, or the most prominent, or the most popular at the time. It's always been a, a point for me to do that. Like, since like middle school, man, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm such a huge fucking movie fan, it's, it's stupid. You know, for the rest of their life, Oscar winner is attached to any role they're a part of. So I like to see the excitement and revel in their in their victory. It's it's that humanity, you know, mm-hmm. in it that I really enjoy. You know, like seeing somebody at the top of the mountain. You know, for what for you know whatever moment in time it is. You know, that's that's just dope. It's just dope to see that, and you can't recreate it in any way, shape, or form except for that moment. And so yeah. But like you said, it's kind of sparse. With the Golden Globes, there is a split of Best Picture Drama and Best Picture Musical or Comedy. Um, So there are two Best Picture categories. With Best Picture Drama, you have uh, The Father with Anthony Hopkins, Mank with Gary Oldman, Nomadland with Frances McDormand, A Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan, and then The Trial of the Chicago 7, which was reviewed on this show a few months ago. And then Best Picture Musical Comedy, we have the Borat sequel. Uh, We have Hamilton, the live performance that uh, premiered on uh, Disney Plus uh, music uh, that was uh, directed by Sia, of all people. Palm Springs, the Hulu original starring uh, Andy Samberg, and then Prom, uh, which is a Meryl Streep film, also getting nominated. Uh, Chicago 7, we called it after the review. We said, this thing's going to get some nominations in. Uh, have you seen any other films uh, on the list of uh, dramas? I haven't. Mank is, is uh, um, the next on my list. Um, Got to see that. That's right up my alley. So Mank's on the list. No Man Land as well. Um, I've heard really, really good things about that. On the comedy side, I did catch Borat. It was funny, of course. It was it was current with the COVID thing. Palm Springs. I enjoyed that one too. You know, the Groundhog Day premise is always a fun thing for me. So, and it, I thought it was pretty well done. Funny. 
And Sandberg, you know, he's he can put out some good stuff. It's a little bit more dramatic than you would think out of an Andy Sandberg film, but um, I thought it was pretty well done. I liked it. I've definitely seen more of the drama end than I have of the musical end. I still have never actually watched Hamilton in its entirety. Um, I know every person that ever enjoyed Hamilton attests that it's the greatest musical. I still have not taken the time. Ryland, have you taken the Hamilton journey? I have. The same friends that throw the Oscar party, we got together, uh, about 10 of us, and watched Hamilton together. The first half, it was a little slow for me. I remember being not the biggest musical fan. I kind of, I, I, I enjoyed it for the first 15 minutes. Then mm-hmm. I went, okay, this is, this is what this is, the entire play. Second half, they switched the, a gear that I really enjoyed. Overall, fun. There is a lot of comedy in it. You know, and, and I'm a huge Mindhunter fan. Old boy play that plays the king yes. is the guy from Mindhunter. I was like, okay, oh, I he- might actually watch this, and I still have not done it. Okay, so the thoughts on its chances. I mean, it's basically just a multi-camera you know, recording of the stage play. Does that hurt it, or does that you think that's the best way to tell this story? Lynn Miranda is, is like the, the golden child right now, so I feel like he's definitely the front runner for this. He's ever he was revered by so many people. If you've, if you've ever heard the story of how he got this made and how he did this, it's pretty intriguing, pretty intelligent. It's nothing but great reviews, and I know I need to watch it. So I'll, I'll task myself, especially now. Um, if it gets nominated for an Oscar, you know I'm going to watch it. But I've noticed that of these 10 nominees, three of them, are Netflix releases, and that's uh, that being uh, Mank, uh, Sh- The Trial of Chicago 7, and Prom. We actually wanted to talk about the Netflix film. Uh, I guess, what was it, a few years ago, uh, Roma was the first Netflix film uh, to get nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. And since then, that red in on a poster, it can make or break somebody's popularity or quality of the film. Netflix is, is a giant machine now, and they're going to pump out some good stuff, and they're going to pump out some bad stuff, just like any other production company. In this show alone, we've reviewed two Netflix films, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and we also did the new Charlie Kaufman film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And both of those films, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like um, like Avengers uh, Infinity War. Great story, right? And great effects, great everything. But it's, it's almost as if the whole film itself is kind of, it kind of has like a, like a color palette thing going on with it. Like, like everything just has, has a certain sheen to it now. And with the shadows and the lighting and, you know, and the, and the sound and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's kind of like a filter, you know, for everything. So it's like you kind of see through the Netflix lens. 
if that makes any sense. Oh, uh, yeah. I put notes about the film we're reviewing today. I mean, it has that sheen to it. It has that look. The way it's edited, the way, you know, the music comes in, you know, the fast cuts. It's it's indicative of, like, a Netflix film, which is weird to say. like that, that That's like a descriptor. But it is, it is a fascinating thing to explore. Uh, but really, I wanted to talk about your favorite villains, Ryland. So with this film, you know, it's kind of like the antagonists are the protagonists. Like, you have your traditional story, like your Star Wars, your good guy, bad guy. And you might you might love the bad guy in the story, but the narrative itself is still talking about the protagonist. But then you have other films where it's it's always from the bad guy's point of view. That's who you're supposed to root for, just as the audience. One of the examples that I always had was uh, Mickey and Mallory from uh, Natural Born Killers. When them people come here and they ask you who done this, you tell Mickey and Mallory Knox did it, all right? Say it! Mickey and Mallory Knox did it. Mickey and Mallory Knox. I love you, Mickey. Mickey and Mallory? Like, the, I mean, these people will kill you, you know, if, if you slight them or if you, you do them wrong in any way, shape, or form. Terrible people, but they're so deep, and it's it's just it's such a fun ride. I feel like that movie is like a roller coaster, man. It's 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 unique in its own way. Genres of film I love is rooting for the bad guy, but he has to have some reason. If a guy's robbing a bank to help his family, or if, if in Breaking Bad, you know he is selling making drugs to to finance his cancer treatment or money for his family to leave behind. That's what makes a good anti-hero. They have to have a good reason of what, why they're doing these bad things. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. It's definitely its own genre. There's plenty of movies out there that are based on that. I want to say a lot of these tropes that I'm talking about now that I'm thinking about it are derived from a lot of popular, I guess, 2000s TV shows. Like your Dexters, I want to say, like Weeds, uh, during the day, you know, but by night, you know, type of situation. So I've always said this. I mean, the, the Joker's always more of a fun character to dive into than Batman, in my opinion. When you look at superhero movies, uh, Thanos, he also, you know, he has a mission that makes sense to him. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. We're going to be talking rooting for the bad guy movies. Let's play a game. <laughs> yes. Hello. You don't know me, but I know you. I want to play a game. We played this once before on the show. It's a recasting game, and we wanted to kind of look at popular justifiable villains you know the ones that you're kind of rooting for that uh, that you have you know a little bit of their story and and you want them to succeed and even if their plight is bad we're going to both going to be doing two what is your first character that you want to recast Rylan? you know it took me a little time to think about some of these these movies like i said that you're rooting for the bad guy and of recent one of my favorites was law abiding citizen Starring Gerard Butler, Jamie Foxx. I will grant bail in the amount Your of... Your Honor, I would caution you not to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Excuse me? No, I don't think I will excuse you. You see, this is what I'm talking about. You were about to let me go. Are you kidding me? This is why we're here in the first place. Gerard Butler's character, Clyde Shelton. 
his family's pretty much murdered. The the guys get away with it in court, and his revenge is long drawn out. System, you get to see how this man gets his revenge in such a smart way. It's clever. For my recast on Law Abiding Citizen, I'm going to go with Brian Cranston. All it says is that Congress has no right to investigate how we vote or where we pray, what we think, say, or how we make movies. I think his character in Breaking Bad mirrors this character almost perfectly. You know, the family man who gets screwed over and is too smart for these for these thugs, too smart for the system, too smart for everyone. Nice little sub in for, for Gerard Butler. He's not as menacing and, and maybe as physical as Gerard Butler is, but I think Brian Cranston could pull this role off. What do you think? Anything he touches just turns to gold. I'm such a huge Brian Cranston mark, it's unhealthy. It's kind of hard for me to, to just n- nail it down to one. You know, what if the movie was made in an, in an actor's prime? In their prime, I would say John Travolta would murder this role. Oh, nice. Look, I didn't mean for things to turn out the way they did. What way? When I come to your house, I stopped your car. I was just looking for what I had coming to me, what was right. But you didn't know who I was. He's he's got the he's got the layers. He's got the dad, you know, ism, you know, from Look Who's Talking. You know, he's got the he's got the emotion. You know, he's he's already got the the pop culture, you know, element to himself. It's a great heel turn on John Travolta's part. Uh, I think it'd be great. And if it were remade today, uh, that was the other little category that I made. You know, the money was there. Now, who would you get? I would get Jeremy Renner. It's the last straw. I'm not 12 years old anymore, right? And Grandma, I know I get a good deal. It's a shore house and all, but if I can't get any privacy, it's just not worth it to me at all. Renner is, is, is almost like a Tom Cruise substitute in my mind, or maybe a Matt Damon, you know, he's he's just in that same realm. So yeah, I can see that. He showed, you know, his forlorn father role in Endgame. You know, he's he's got range, you know, a hurt locker, all that, you know. So I think uh, I think I think he totally has the chops. One of mine is Goodfellas, Henry Hill, uh, Ray Liotta's character that he made famous. In prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course and then we had a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. He used a razor. And he used to slice it so thin that it used to liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. It's a very good system. If you were to recast Henry Hill, what would you go with, Rylan? It's one of those iconic characters that it's so hard to replace. I'm not even going to lie. I was a little stumped with it. I kind of want to hear your your selection sure. first, <laughs> if that's okay. Uh, I did the same thing, you know, with the In Their Prime or, or if it was remade today. I wanted to make sure that, you know, obviously they were Italian. And so in their prime, I would have gone with Bobby Cannavale. Quintessential Italian-looking man. <laughs> yeah, he was in uh, The Irishman most recently. Now, later on in his life, he's become more of like the, some of the more Italian actor royalty. But back in the early days, he was, he was just a working Italian actor. So I thought he was great in his prime. Uh, have, you, have you ever seen The Station Agent? Go watch that. How you doing? Fine. Do you sell coffee? Café con leche. How special. You love it, trust me. Okay. I also got hot dogs and muffins. You live around here? Yeah. I've never seen you around. Where are you from? But if it was remade today, I have to go with my boy, Milo. 
Ventimiglia from uh, This Is Us and uh, Heroes fame. Honest mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you ever do anything to hurt my sister, I will take my government-issued service revolver, stick it straight up your fifth and poop shoot, and empty the clip to you feel me. Yes, totally. Feel you. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> Randy Jackson, right? I've got ten ways to kill with my bare hands right now. <laughs> Don't. I love the show Heroes. That was one of my favorite mid-2000s TV series. He could play young. He could play a little bit older. Uh, he's shown all of that through his resume. I think that he'd be a great uh, replacement for Henry Hill if they ever remade it. You know, and I'm just going to go. I, I, I kind of wanted to think more about it with your selection, but I'm going to have to go with Leonardo DiCaprio. Whoa, whoa. Here I come. Oh, here I come. This is young Ray Liotta. So I think maybe a, a prime Leo. Whoa, whoa. A little bit younger Leo than he is now. Whoa, whoa. Oh, come on. He, he's good in everything. I know that's the easy uh, choice. Really hard for me to, to even think about. Dude, like I went pretentious as fuck on my list. Like, <laughs> yeah, you did. Like you just, you, I mean, that was low hanging fruit. I didn't, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about DiCaprio doing it. Whoa, whoa. Here I come. Oh, here I come. Scorsese, Leo. Whoa, whoa. They're always a good match. So, but I wanted to think about it more. I wanted to have a little bit more, a little bit more behind it because that's just to me, it's just the the easy fill in. But hey, that's all I got. You know me, I'm a basic bro. That's great. I, I yeah. I, I would love to see that movie. What's your second um, justifiable villain, Ryan? My second, God, he's so good in this role, is Tom Cruise as Vincent in Collateral. Because you're good. We're in this together. Fates intertwined, cosmic coincidence, oh, you know? You full shit. All that crap. I'm full of shit. You're a monument of it. You done bullshitted yourself. All I am is taking out the garbage, killing bad people. Well, the, well that's what you said. You believe me? <laughs> then what'd they do? How do I know, you know? Which I didn't really think about it until I, I picked these two. They, they both star uh, Jamie Foxx as well as the, the side character to these anti-heroes. So I guess Jamie yeah. Foxx is the role cast for a uh, a sidekick to your anti-hero. So. He's like the conscience. He's like the Jiminy Cricket yeah. of, of both yeah. stories. You know, not as much in Law Abiding Citizen. He's kind of playing the straight-laced lawyer. But in, in Collateral, he's playing the kind of what the fuck's going on cab driver. With, Jamie Foxx brings a lot to the table. But. Vincent, as a, as a character, there's not much backstory. You just know that he has to get through the night. He has to kill these people, and you're kind of rooting for him. It's kind of a fun, fun ride. My first choice would be Viggo Mortensen to replace Tom Cruise. What, was he in hiding? Was he dead? I thought he was. I thought I killed Joey Cusack. I went out to the desert, and I killed him. Oh I spent three years becoming Tom Stahl. But you have to know this. I wasn't really born again until I met you. Take his character out of A History of Violence, which is one of my favorites of his, and pretty much put it in this role. He's the badass. I can see even see him with that gray flat top and the gray suit and pull the look off as well. And Vigo's just a badass in everything he does, so easy switch. They're both relevant at the time. Um, Vigo, I haven't really seen him in too much lately. I wish he would get into more stuff. Um, I actually have a recommendation for you if you haven't seen much Vigo. There's a movie called Captain Fantastic. I'm not sure if you've seen it or not. I have not. To anybody who hasn't seen Captain Fantastic, I highly recommend. Great Vigo, great movie all around. With uh, a collateral in their prime, I would have gone with Javier Bardem. Hello, James. Welcome. Do you like the island? I think he could have been sly, you know, in, in the very beginning, but then, then really ramp it up throughout the entire film of just menace and just 
malignant, you know, take no shit kind of guy, you know, just a badass. Totally pulled off, convincing, while at the same time being sadistic. So, yeah, I think Javier Bardem would be great if he was in his prime. And if it was remade today, I was telling Ryland earlier, I'd go with Justin Timberlake. They'll hire private detectives who will follow you day and night. You're a target for high-priced escorts. I can't prove it, but I know they tap my phones. Whatever it is that's going to trip you up, you've done already. Private behavior is a relic of a time gone by, and if somehow, someway, you've managed to live your life like the Dalai Lama, they'll make shit up, because they don't want you. They want your idea. He's proven to me, and and the roles that he's chosen throughout his acting career, that he can take care of business. I think if he's he's getting the right... (laughs) (laughs) I know I've mentioned this before. We've talked about Justin Timberlake as an actor, and I'm just not in... I, I, there's something about him. I think it's just his instinct days and his musical career. You said he was amazing in Black Snake Moan, which is not I have not seen, which I need to see. You like don't hold your breath. So like yeah. okay, so that that's that's fun. So that, that's two that I know about now. Okay, so so you don't like Bradley Cooper, you don't like Justin Timberlake. That's that's so funny. I've, I've lo- I love both of those guys. I think they're great in films. But that's that's the dynamic of this show. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I've, uh, Justin Timberlake. I mean, come on. He has the pop culture status. I think he has the ability to pull the role off. I think it would be a great heel turn for him. Uh, all good things. All good things. Lastly, uh, this is one that I chose, but then as soon as I tried to figure it out, it, would, it became really tough. And that was Captain Jack Sparrow from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Everyone stay calm. We are taking over the ship. I of us! <laughs> this ship cannot be crewed by two men. You'll never make it out of the bay. Son, I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Savvy. I, I, I think I nailed this one. It, it just And you just think about it right off the bat. Robert Downey Jr. He's got the comedy chops. He would look great in eyeliner. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm almost kind of mad that that he wasn't cast as, as Jack Sparrow to begin with, and now that I've thought about it. You, big fella. You've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. When they come, and they will, they'll come for you. I have an army. We have a Hulk. He was too busy being Iron Man at the time, so I think he came out on top, but still. Yeah, but I mean, the Depp had been owning the role since like 2002, I think. So too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, God, it's been that long. That's 20 years ago, man. Isn't that crazy? RDJ, I think that would be a good little replacement. It, 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 that one wasn't as, as hard as uh, Henry Hill, I'll tell you that for me. But um, yeah, that's who I'm going with. I think he'd pull it off pretty well. He's got the look. He's got the, the acting chops. He's got the comedy. I think it'd be a great replacement. I did two names on this one, too. But man, I'm not, I'm, I'm not 100% sold on him. I'm just going to go ahead and say him. In their prime, I would have gone with uh, Gary Oldman. Benny, bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Everyone! Just book him, and I know he'll do something with it. And I know it'll be great. What am I thinking? Uh, Where he's got the dreadlocks. uh, 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 true, True romance. True Romance. Sorry, I couldn't think of the damn movie. Yeah, he's a swashbuckling drug dealer in, in True Romance. It's not too far off. <laughs> like, total villain. Like, Oldman's good at playing the bad guy. And I think that, you know, uh, he wouldn't be, like, total Johnny Depp style. But 
I think Oldman could totally pull it off and totally make it his own and totally keep the same, you know, numbers coming in. Yeah, he's a genius. He can do anything. So, and if it was remade today, uh, just a uh, just because I kind of want to see if it'd be a train wreck or not, I'd go with uh, Russell Brand. You don't have the stones to challenge me. Oh, sure, you may be my cousin who's next in line to be king, meaning if I die, you instantly become king. But right now, you're nothing but a cowardly chef. Oh, that is gonna be a, that's going to be a train crash wreck. There's, there's going to be bodies everywhere. Are you not a Russell Brand fan? I am not. That guy is, no, he is a funny guy, but uh, I don't know. I just don't, especially with the mega backing of Disney and all that, he just doesn't have that pull, man. Uh, but it's a, it's a nice thought, though. I, that, that's definitely the wild card. That's the dark horse. But hey, I, I that you went out there with that one. That, you know, that was, you, you dug deep for that. I mean, he made it so iconic. Like, like, you can't think of Jack Sparrow and not think of Johnny Depp. I think all of our answers are really good, but I think you did a great job with RDJ. I think it'd be another great franchise to to jump off of, you know? The first Pirates came out in 0204 whenever he didn't have that Iron Man fame yet. So it would have been a, maybe a tougher choice or a, a harder selection to throw RDJ in there. But post Marvel, man, yeah, he's perfect for the role, in my opinion. He's like an American treasure. He really is. He had a rough start. He had a pretty shitty um, personal life going on there for a while so it is kind of a i like to see his story where he's come back and and done what he's done in life so i'm a big fan of his you better get to your next question uh, you um the reason i'm asking about the past is that you you've talked in other interviews again about um your relationship with your father and the role of all of that in uh you know, the dark periods you entered and, and taking drugs and drinking and all of that. And I just wondered whether, you know, you, you, you think you're free of all of that or whether that's still something. I'm sorry, you... I, I really don't. Uh, what are we doing? Total success story. And he's a total entertainer. And I, I love that about him. The total opposite of um, who am I thinking of? Um, Tiger blood guy, uh, Charlie Sheen. You can see where that goes, and it's just sad to see. So I guess that you know you're on two ends of the spectrum. Wow. And then what? What's the cure? Medicine? Make me like them? Not gonna happen. I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Now what? If I'm bipolar, aren't there moments where a guy like crashes and like in the corner, like oh my god, it's all my mom's fault? Shut up. Shut up. Stop. Move forward. It was it, it, to me. It was good to see. The, the rebound, the, the the comeback story of Robert Downey Jr. and and he's he's just awesome. I think he's funny, charismatic. Every role he's in, I I thoroughly enjoy. He's he's just still just so beloved in the in the world of everybody. Like it's crazy how how much of a turn he had. Crazy. It's good to see somebody come back and and still be revered as a good actor, even though you know he's had a troubled personal past. That part of the story is what makes it so compelling. Like he had to, he had to pay his dues, whatever the fuck that means, and that's how he became, you know, what he was. Like he wouldn't be the same actor if he hadn't gone through that, you know. A quarter of a billion dollars in one role. Can you imagine that? Did I ever tell you my Jack Nicholson story? So I guess Warner Brothers, they were like, "Get Nicholson." Like I don't care what it takes. I don't care what he's asking. <laughs> we're getting Nicholson for this role. So whoever they sent down, the you know the 
the executive or whoever to go talk to Nicholson. Like they said, whatever you want. And, and so, so check this, check this deal out. What he got was he got 15% of Batman, whatever Batman makes in any way, shape or form, he gets Even 15% of it. Good Lord. That's the deal that he made. That's why they only made a movie every three or four years and then retired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he made his money, you know? I fucking love this game. The recast game is one of my favorites. I, I love being able to imagine what it would be like. What if? So thank you. You are entirely welcome. And now, let us all go to my house for a little sponge cake and a little wine and, and shit. To the lumberyard! Before we go, guys, we got one more movie to talk about, and I believe it's going to be a nice discussion. The Roseman Pike and Peter Dinklage conscious antagonistic thriller, I Care A Lot, premiered on Netflix and is streaming now. Good morning, Miss Peterson. I'm sorry to disturb you so early. The court has ruled that you require assistance in taking care of yourself. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm afraid it's not up to you to decide. The court has appointed me to be your legal guardian. What? You have to come with me. And remember, I'm here to help. My name is Marla Grayson. I'm just someone who cares. Marla Grayson, you've had amazing success. What's your secret? There is no secret, Peter. She forces them into the home, auctions off their house, and uses the proceeds to pay herself. Because caring is my job. Mitch! I will grab your dick and balls, and I will rip them clean off. Big deal maker. I know what you do here. Your hustle. Look at all these cash cows on your wall just leaking money into your account. Jennifer Peterson, she's off limits. She has very powerful friends who can make life uncomfortable for you. How uncomfortable are we talking? I love Martha Grayson. I don't like you. You only just met me. There's two types of people in this world. Predators and prey. I don't lose. I won't lose. I'm never letting you go. Oh, you're in trouble now. I am a fucking lioness. saw in the beginning before i'd watched it were pretty high and then i kind of kind of dived into it myself and, and i have different thoughts you want to lay out the premise of the movie uh, basically we open up to a character named marla grayson played by rosamund pike we find out that her job is to be a guardian for elderly people mostly who need representation legally you know if they have to do anything through the court system or you know through uh, the government in general or you know if they need a do anything, sign up for an Amazon account. You know, they, they need this person because they can't do it themselves. And in certain cases, the court orders 
somebody in an emergency case to be somebody else's guardian. Rosamund Pike plays this character who that's her job. She's kind of a hustler in what she does because she's the guardian of several, several, several um, elderly people in the local area. I thought he'd last us at least another five years. Fuck, now I have to cash him out, turn over everything to his inheritors. What a fucking waste. Well, maybe he took a shine to you and wrote you into his will. Yeah, right. <laughs> is is very unsympathetic. She's very cold-hearted. Right off the bat, you see her go through a court process where a man is pretty much you know, forced away from his own mother and everything's taken from him. And you see how just ruthless she is and how cold-hearted she is. So right off the bat, I'm going, okay, if this is an anti-hero movie where I need to root for this person eventually, this plot's got to go all sorts of ways. So, Oh, I, I actually wanted to talk about that scene, uh, the courtroom scene from, from the very beginning. I care for those who are in need of protection. Protection from apathy, protection from their own pride, and quite often, protection from their own children. Hey! No, no, Your that... Honor, you and I have seen it many times. Offspring who are willing to let their parents starve and squalor and struggle with pain, rather than dip into what they see as their inheritance to pay for the necessary care. Your Honor, I think it's obvious why the non-visitation order must be upheld. This court is doing its best to protect and help Mrs. Feldstrom and the actions of her son are undermining our every effort in that fight. I agree. Order upheld. It's one of my favorites because of the talent that's on screen. It really impressed me. I mean, first of all, you got Rosamund Pike, who I love uh, from Gone Girl. I didn't know it was going to be a fight. You really want to be the couple that has a baby to save their marriage? Save? I, reboot, retool, rekindle, whatever. And you're going to walk out yeah, the door now? I, yeah. You're a fucking coward. No, you can't go on like this. Oh, really? I won't. You won't? You won't? Why, it's not good enough for you? It's not even close! What scared me wasn't that he'd push me. What scared me was how much he wanted to hurt me more. I know Rylan said that that's uh, his crush from uh, the Doom movie. My guilty pleasure, Doom. Yeah, that's what I recognized her from. Sergeant, this is Dr. Samantha Grimm, the UAC science officer assigned to retrieve data from the lab. Sergeant. Dr. Grimm. Hello, John. Hello, Samantha. Hello, Samantha. But my first Rosamund Pike was uh, The World's End, Cornetto Trilogy. Fuck's sake, Gary, take a hint. It's all right, I'm not trying to have sex with you. Why are we in the disabled toilets then? There's something I need to tell you right now. Unless you do want to have sex, in which case I'll tell you afterwards. Tell me right now. Have you noticed anything creepy about the twins, apart from the fact that they're twins? Just because they're twins doesn't automatically make them creepy. It does a little bit. You had sex with them. A, I did not. And B, how did you know about that? So you got Rosamund Pike, and you also have the guy from The Wire and The 25th mm -hmm. Hour. He's the, he's the guy that always says, she. You know, I just don't understand it. It looks like such a nice sofa. How much did you pay for this sofa, Miss Rivera? Maybe it's the padding. Booyah! Could be the padding. Yeah. Probably the padding. Come on, get it over with. Something bumpy in here, Mr. Brogan. 
You know, it's a good thing I found this. It's gonna make your sofa so much more comfortable to sit on. Mr. Brogan, I do believe you're fucked. What made me mad is he never pulled his shit off in this entire movie. He, if he would have done it, oh, it would have jumped up an entire point just for him saying, she. 25th Hour is one of my favorite Spike Lee joints. He did The Wire also. I'm not sure if you've seen The Wire. Yeah. But he totally transferred that over to his character in that. And then the, the defendant, the son, was played by Macon Blair. I'm not sure if you know who this guy is. I did not recognize him. There's a very prolific indie director named Jeremy Saulnier who did a movie called Murder Party. You ever heard of the movie Murder Party? I have not, no. Sounds like uh, fun. You never heard of Jeremy Saulnier? Y'all never heard of Jesus Mouillet? Ooh, man. Um, he's uh, he's an indie director who made this film called Murder Party, and then he went on to make a movie called Blue Ruin, who Macon Blair... The guy who plays the son is the the star of that film. You came to my sister's house. Were you coming for me or for her? Look, man. You. Why don't you just call the police? Send me to jail. Same as you. Just keeping it in house. What if I surrender? I accept. To the police. You don't get to do what you did and just lock yourself up. Shit, I'd give you props if he wasn't my brother. Fantastic performance. It's like a it's like a one-man show movie, but it's like in like a real internal like hero's journey. So good. And then I guess if, if there's any movie that he's known for, it's the movie Green Room with Patrick Stewart. You can't keep us here, man. You gotta let us go. We're not keeping you. You're just staying. And then most recently he directed uh, Hold the Dark. There was a Netflix film again. Fuck. And so, like, you want to talk about Netflix films having a sheen on it. Hold the dark, yo. Yo. Uh, Macon Blair comes from the indie scene. He has, has a very just unique look to him, just his face. Like, you always recognize his face. But, yeah, I love that whole scene. I love the character. And then we get into kind of a full circle process of what she does to, you know, gain the info about this person. Uh, go and meet this person, you know, inform them that, you know, <laughs> they have no right in this situation. And the, the whole process you get to see happen to the sweetest woman in Hollywood, Diane Wiest. Good morning, Miss Peterson. I'm sorry to disturb you so early. You're a doctor? No, ma'am. I, uh, may I show you this? Oh, I'm going to need my reading glasses. I'll be right back. You know, I, I'm not sure what this is. It's a court order, ma'am. Oh, my goodness. Have I done something wrong? Oh, no, ma'am. Uh, this is to help you. The court has ruled under the guidance of your doctor that you require assistance in taking care of yourself. And the court has appointed me to be your legal guardian. <laughs> I'm not struggling. I'm fine. I'm more than fine. I don't need help. I'm afraid it's not up to you or me to decide. The court has ruled that you do need help, and as your legal guardian, I, I, it's my duty to ensure that adequate care is supplied to you at all times. Let me tell you something. I never went to that In court. In emergencies, the court can convene without the presence of the prospective ward. Wow, that's crazy. Well, ma'am, 
you have to come with me. So I, I hate seeing things happen to Diane Weist. And I'm like, oh, leave her alone. That's the note I wrote. I said, everyone's mother, Diane Weist, and her role in Parenthood is so well done. Classic movie. I grew up watching that quite a bit. Seeing her in this role, she's aged well. She looks really good. She's got to be pushing her 70s now. And, and she still kind of looks the same, you know, it's it's, it's kind of funny. But um, she is the first, I would say, victim of all this, I guess. Rosamund Pike, she just shows up to this lady's house with some type of court order that says, oh, I'm taking all your shit now, no matter what. You, there's nothing you can say. It's definitely a shady thing that's going on. I wanted to bring that up. I mean, that's one of the first, like, topical, divisive things in the film, just the act of, of getting over on old people. I mean, that's a thing that really freaking happens. It's culturally relevant. That's why I kind of had a hard time getting on board with her because she's just, she's such a vulture. She's taking advantage of the weakest people. She's acting like this tough, feminist, strong woman the entire film. But she's really just attacking the weak and the elderly and red flag for a lot of people. You know, that's that's not cool. <laughs> that's what I wrote as yeah. a note. Like, and that's not cool, dude. It was really hard for me to get behind her intentions at all. But then you start to understand more of who Diane Weiss's character is with the inclusion of two of my favorite characters in the whole film. One being the redheaded guy, Alexi, bumbling henchman. Taxi for Miss Peterson. Oh, she doesn't live here anymore. What? She moved. Miss Peterson moved. My mistake. Thank you. Excuse me. Who called you? Excuse me. Fuck. Kind of like a Mimsy, like damn it, Mimsy. He's like a, he's just he's just that silly henchman who just kind of fucks things up. But he's got a certain amount of, I guess, just bad guy in him to where he is very intimidating in certain yeah. regards. He can be, but then also he can he can just be like just stupid. The main henchman, Alexi, I think is the only comedic value you get out of this film. It says comedy right off the bat when you look at this movie on IMBD. Asking where is the comedy? Rosamund Pike was nominated for a Golden Globe for Comedic Actress, and I didn't see it at all. You might have a different view on it, so I'd like to hear your view on, on the comedy aspect of it. I think it was in the whimsy of it all, you know, like yeah. so narcissistic. It's funny in the way that Patrick Bateman from American Psycho is funny. He's, he's just crazy enough to be that stupid bring on mockery in some way. But really, but you're right. It's Alexi. You know, Dinklage does a couple of bits. I don't think it's straight up just comedy, like set up and punchline, but I don't dismiss it as a comedy either. So the story evolves into where Diamond's character, her son is apparently a Russian mob boss. And that's where this thing takes a turn. And you get to see, you know, this Rosamund Pike is kind of set up against Peter Dinklage, which he's one of my favorites. Get my mother out of that home and keep her out. Do it quietly. Do it legally. Do it fast. Keep me away from it. Yes, sir. He's great. He, in so many things, he's great. I just didn't think they gave him enough in this role. You know, I made the joke. The funniest part of this movie, the only comedy I got out of it was Peter Dinklage is supposed to be this Russian mob boss. And he's in his office doing 
like gymnastics, like rings. Like he's like totally flattening himself as a board, like doing rings in his office. And it, that was the only part that made me chuckle. Sorry, sir. I, I can come back later. You realize that he's a prominent mob boss with his henchmen, but they're just not good at what they do. <laughs> like, if this guy's so menacing, I mean, Alexi, his main henchman, is terrified of this guy, but he is just, he, he drops the ball on almost every little mission they're trying to do throughout this film. You know, and it, it also, it's just a film full of decisions that they're making you have to make. His failure should be in comedy, though. Like, that's that's where the comedy should come in, but it doesn't. They try to take back Diane Weiss's character out of the old person home, and they just fail miserably. <laughs> but there, it could have been funnier. It was more of just a straight action scene that, that unfolds, but it wasn't that humorous or funny. Open the door. You don't want to do that. Open it! Listen to me. I am prepared to kill you to get out of here. Are you prepared to die to stop me? Hmm? With an anti-heroine, you want to get behind her. You want to believe that somewhat of what she's doing has a reason. And it just didn't happen. Her girlfriend, practically, is, is kind of her assistant, um, played by Isaac Gonzalez, named Fran. She was a flat character. I, I mean, I got nothing out of her at all. Keep us in the loop if you hear anything else. Mm, sure thing, Frankie. Uh, Lou? Mm? Don't call me Frankie. We used to like being called Frankie. Yeah, not anymore. But she was fine as hell, though. I mean, you got to admit. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But I'll take some character development and some depth to these characters, please, for the love of God. With the hype train that it was involved with and, and some of the reviews I'd heard from friends, it just, it it was not good to me. Um, it's improbable. There's, there's no story arc. And it's it's what I would consider lazy writing. Interesting. I, I thought that it was really good writing. The shark lawyer, uh, Dean Erickson. We're breaking it down scene by scene. The scene with her and Dean. Fantastic scene. In the days to come, you'll replay this conversation in your head over and over. And you're going to wish you played it differently. Right now, look at what you have. A thriving business. Employees. A nice face. Unbroken bones, a life. When this is through, you're not gonna have any of those things. None of them. Last chance. Goodbye, Dean. You and me are on the same boat on that one. That's the only scene I liked was the the lawyer scene where they're kind of throwing jabs at each other. I wrote that note that the mob boss's lawyer, when he comes in and he's given the the offer to her and she pretty much denies it. Definitely the, the best writing of the movie, but. It just, it goes so wonky on that last third, which is what we got to get into next. Because there was a lot of, like, threatening, like, you're going to die next, or you're in so much trouble. It was always really hyped up. What's the date? The 15th. Last week was the 8th. Right on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're in trouble now. (laughs) <laughs> really? Why? Yeah, he's coming. Who? Dean? No. He's coming. Who? Just you wait. 
And I think that kind of worked against it, you know, whenever the, you see the final product of what Peter Dinklage's character is actually willing to do, you know. But then you're right. You get into the last third of the film. That's where you shut down the Internet with this film, because a lot of things happen kind of all at once. The ending is just so incredibly love it or hate it kind of ending, in my opinion. This is total spoiler territory, guys, just so y'all know. Hey, come on, bro. I don't want to know if this movie is good. Where this thing takes a turn, when Dinklage finally says, okay, you're going to get what's coming to you. You stole something from me. Something more than an old lady. You know what I'm talking about. Right now, I have men searching for what you stole. They are tearing apart your office, your home. And if they do not find what they're looking for, I will tear you apart until you tell me where they are. They pretty much drug her, throw her in her car, fly her off a cliff into a lake, which is, you know, pretty much you're dead. Russian mobsters, this is what they do, right? She easily escapes. And then this is where it turns where her and her girlfriend slash accomplice are now spies. They're now practically 007 or Mission Impossible from then on out the movie. She's kidnapping people. She's disguising herself to get in places. Her little comeback here to where she gets to Dinklage so bad, she pretty much one-ups the, the Russian mobsters to where Dinklage makes a deal with her. He pretty much says, we're going to invest in you. you. You know, you're such a badass at what you do. I want to make money out of this. I'm going to be on your side now, even though you tried to fuck my mother over and do all these terrible things to me. So that's where the lazy writing comes in. I don't know where that came from. I'll give you the $10 million. I can arrange that. However. However? I'd like to propose an alternative. Instead of me giving you $10 million, we become partners. Go into business together. Are you fucking with me? No, I'm serious. I mean, I hate you. But, oh, the money we could make. Where she just turns around and she's just this super spy that ends up beating the, the mafia somehow. I don't know. It just, it took me out of it. No car experience. I knew that she was going to wake up. Like, it was so obvious. I mean, it, it was well done. I mean, that was a cool scene. And then even even her going through disguise and, and getting into that building and doing all these things. Yeah, well done, but it just didn't make the plot holes. Didn't make sense to me at all. This is not what would happen. When she takes out Dinklage, she shoves a needle in his leg, smooth as hell, and it's just so easy for her to do. Like, I'm like, wait a second, where did you learn how to do all this shit? <laughs> There's no nervousness to what she's doing. It just seems like this is what she does for a living. And I'm like, no, she fucks old people over in court. Yes, she's a strong female, but they take it to this extreme where I'm just going, no. That's simply not true, Miss Grayson. You know it. I know it. If a doctor wrote a note, he knows it too. She. What? She. The doctor. She's a she. Of course. When we got on here, I was totally prepared to defend this film. <laughs> and I'm beating it up so bad, you don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I guess I was just so into the movie that I didn't even think about the kind of training you would need to, you know do these things that she did near the end. You're right. Uh, yeah, so I, I just I just kind of took it as that's just kind of how she rolls. I mean, but she was always doing spin class. You know, who knows how active she was, you know. Um, she can she can take out a Russian mobster and his henchmen with ease. Because she does rowing machines, you know, at a L.A. fitness. Really? Do you believe that? Okay, then. To scale, you're absolutely correct. 
Like she has no business doing any of those things. I guess my last note on it would be that it's more of like a commentary film. Like yeah. it's, um, it just kind of, it tells a story that people can relate to, you know, a story of, uh, you know, a parent or somebody getting fucked over or they themselves getting fucked over. It's hard to even say sometimes, but like, you know, the, 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 the feminine viewpoint and how they are viewed when, they, when they're looked at as hustlers, uh, the kind of flack that they would get. It's a commentary on, on that level of reality. She ultimately won by playing the system and getting Peter Dinklage's character under her care. We get another t- plot twist. But then, you know, are we going to talk about the very, very end? If she would have had some endearing quality about her, something, and this is why they did this at the end, they wanted you to somehow be on her team, and I wasn't, and I don't think anyone was. Um, she's a terrible fucking human in this. She's She has no endearing qualities, and the only good side to this was you get to see her get popped at the end by the dude she fucked over in the very beginning of the movie. I don't have time. No! 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 Security! My mom died! Help! Help! You never let me see her. She died in there alone, you fucking bitch. You fucking bitch. Stop a call, Baby, baby, you're going to be fine. Look at me, baby. Look at me. Look at me. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Help. Help. Marla. Finally gets his vengeance. She's on the cover of Forbes. She's teamed up with Dinklage. This is probably months later. She's she's become close to a billionaire with this company she started. She's on the up and up. Everything's great for her. And then, boom, she gets shot straight in the chest. I was like, wow, she finally got what she deserved. I think they were trying to go the opposite with it to make you feel sad for her or whatever. But no, I was excited to see her get capped. It wasn't a surprise. You could see it coming from a mile away. So there really wasn't any mystery to it or anything. And then it's over. So, yeah. So with all the success... Are you still ambitious? Are there dreams you still want to achieve? Peter, I am only just getting started. Marla Grayson, CEO and founder of Grayson Guardianships. Thank you. Thanks. It's been fun. My takeaways were they were challenging their audience. They were challenging their audience to make a decision about who this person is, but even more so making making other decisions on, on on top of that, like the the merger between Dinklage and Marla Grayson's character, and then how they ended up making billions of dollars and knowing that it's off the backs of these elderly people. So there's a level of hatred there. And then near the end of it, that she becomes successful doing the thing that she always has done, but on a global scale. And then I think one of the one of the things that they were trying to do with the assassination or the shooting was to see if their audience uh, enjoyed the fact that she was shot or if they or if they were saddened by the fact that she was shot or on top of that, uh, even more commentary questions like, um, are, are you <laughs> OK? This is this is tough. It's tough to get out. But, but but that's I believe that's what they're trying to say in this film, like. Would you be upset by the shooting if it was a man? You know, like it asks those questions. If this is a rooting for the bad guy movie, 
the first word is rooting for. Like uh, there was no rooting for these people <laughs> for what they were trying to do. I think they failed miserably. To me, it really wasn't exciting. There was no comedy involved. It, it was a bad movie all the way around, in my opinion. I think the director, Jay Blakeson, created kind of a nice, clean, fresh looking movie. You know, like you said, it kind of had that Netflix sheen to it, shiny and, you know, new looking. You know, had a good fast pacing. The pacing was fine. Before star ratings, I, I you know, um, just, uh, just about the socially conscious film, it still needs to pass the bar of being a good film before it becomes a socially conscious film on top of that. I've never seen this low of reviews from users on any film. Every single review that I saw from users on IMBD was one or two stars. One, one, one. Terrible, 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 terrible. And this is after I watched the movie and had my own opinion, of course, but I am in their boat. It, it's just... I, I feel I feel so bad for you, Ryland. I'm so sorry you have to sit through these terrible movies. Oh, you know, it, it, I like to watch everything, really, to be honest. And Like I said, that's why I don't like to look at reviews before I watch a movie, because... There's a lot of movies that I absolutely adore that people think are garbage. I've got a unique taste in things, and, I, and I've never been one to, to, to follow the masses mainly. But, you know, this one, God, I'm right there with them. Let's do star ratings. One out of ten stars, Rylan. What would you give I Care a lot? I'm going to give this, and this is hard for me to do because I usually don't like rating movies this low, but I'm giving it two out of ten. And, and, damn. You know, damn. Yeah, I know. The two is mainly based on the cast. You know, I'm a big Dinklage fan. Rosamund Pike did very well. Of course, my boy Isaiah Whitlock in there is a point. So you take Isaiah Whitlock out of this, Charlie? This is a one fucking star. <laughs> so it, it didn't entertain me at all. And that's what I hate the most is sitting through two hours and not having any sense of entertainment. No chuckles out of it. Didn't really believe the plot. They've got really cool side characters like Dinklage in there and didn't utilize them whatsoever. It fell so flat, it's sad. Um, okay, so uh, well, I give this film, God, I give this film, uh, I want to give it a 5.3. Nowhere near Wonder Woman level, but I like the production design. I like the way it was filmed. I like the kind of the slickness of it. I mean, everything just seemed on the modern tip, which is really hard to pull off, especially nowadays with smartphone screens is all we really see. It's, it's a great little modern take as far as the, the production value of it. And then the, the 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 socially conscious attitude of the film, I really appreciate, you know, them trying to ask those questions or put people in the hot seat as far as an audience goes. But you're right, execution could have gone way more complex without it getting too fantastical. We just had the Nicolas Cage series, our first episode last week. I would love if in the coming years, if Dinklage had like a, a career like Cage, where it was just more quantity over quality dinklage just has kind of like a like a, a bit that he does you know like yeah. like the bad guy bit or the brooding you know bit and uh i would love to see just more dinklage he's got the best grumpy face i'll tell you that i did write a little note his performance was very brad pitt-esque he was always eating did you notice that touch he's he's great i i love him i just wish just use the comedy dinklage is perfect for that and you just yeah. didn't utilize it at all. So I mean, come on. Have you have you seen Space Pants? Yeah. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Exactly. You know, but hey, it's it this is the, the hot new number one movie on Netflix. There are people out there that are rating it very high. I'm just baffled though. Why? You know, people have heard about robot reviews and all this other shit. And I'm thinking, man, this is a prime example of that, in my opinion. You go Metascore versus user review, and they're so fucking lopsided. 
man, I'm going to go with users all day. But, you know, I, I love a good film like that. I love uh, a divisive film. I love being able to look at it from both angles and seeing both viewpoints. That in itself might give it longevity over time. But I, I'm guessing, in your opinion, you don't think it has any kind of legs. Like, it's, it's totally of this week, and that's it. It was as lame as her vaping throughout the whole movie. Oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that about wraps it up, guys. We have some plans, guys. We have two episodes that we're currently working on. One of them is going to be our group choice episode that y'all in the real shit voted for. I want to say congratulations to Alex Corson for winning the group choice vote. And he's going to come on the show with us uh, in two weeks to celebrate Team America World Police, which was his choice to talk about for the voters' poll. So congratulations to him. But what I'm really excited about is next week, we are bringing Matt Teeter back as our second return guest and new moderator as of 2021. And he will be talking with us about the movie Predator, which I know we are all excited about. I know Rylan's, I think that's the reason why he wanted to start this podcast. (laughs) We finally have gotten to to Predator. It only took 30, but we're finally fucking here. (laughs) So I wanted to submit, Ryland, uh, to the group themselves. If you're hearing this, uh, we would love to uh, have you be part of this show. I know there's been a lot of comments about people wanting to volunteer to be on the show if they were to do a Predator show. I challenge anybody who wants to be on the show to uh, record a soundbite of yourself and uh, describe your favorite uh, scene from Predator, and we'll put you on the show, kind of like we did with Jesse with the Wonder Woman review episode. We'd love to have you all be part of the show. If you have any questions on how to do that, you've never done that before, just to hit me up. I would love to be able to hear your opinions and put them on the show. So that's going to be me, Ryland, Teeter, it's going to be a mod-heavy episode, guys. Real shit, a group-centric episode. I'm really excited. I know Ryland is, too. I've got a, I've got a, a Predator boner right now. <laughs> I can't wait to take a deep dive. I can't wait to, uh, to be able to have a reason to watch that film again. So two great episodes coming up, Predator and Team America. Uh, so stay tuned, guys. It's going to be great. No, man. Uh, we finally get to give ode to the, the one, the only Team America who get, they get so much fucking love on the page, which I, I, I'm a fan. But, man, some of these guys are super fans of this. So I, I have a feeling that's going to be our highest watched episode. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to keep throwing stuff at the wall, you know, yep. see if it sticks. I haven't seen the film in probably a decade, so it'd be fun to rewatch. So until next week, guys, for Rylan Johnson, I'm Charlie Thompson, and we have been spitting the real shit. Uh, We'll see you guys next time. Peace out.